right, welcome back to episode 16 of the Nosebleeds. I'm Colin Martin. We also have Bannon Crowley. Hello. And yeah, no cam today. He's got a playoff baseball game, ruined for the boy. We're still rooting for him. Yeah. And uh, can't win them all. Can't. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to get straight into it. This is post the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight, and yeah, there's a lot more stuff. But that's how we're gonna preface it, and that's how we're gonna start it. Yeah. Banning, you can take it away. Feelings, thoughts, just everything. Let's get straight into it. Um. So, like I said on our Instagram post the other day, that um, I'm sure most of you saw. My opinion on this. Uh, boxing event i guess you would say it wasn't really too much of a fight it was an exhibition which i'm glad they labeled it as an exhibition and not an actual fight that's kind of what i was saying i said this was good overall for the sport to get as many eyes as you can on it but like competitive wise it's good that they didn't really list this as like a big fight that was going on like this being a once in a while thing Obviously, if it starts to happen every week, if this starts to get more coverage than like actual fights, then we might start having a problem. But I don't think it will. I mean, I I think overall it's good for the sport to get more people to watch it. Um, the fight went exactly how I expected it to. Um, so I know people were complaining and stuff. They were going to say, oh, well, someone's got to get a knockout and something like that. But I mean, I expected the fight to go exactly how it would. I didn't think... Mayweather would knock him out just because Logan Paul has the size to take it. I mean, if they went a couple more rounds, I think he definitely would have just because Logan was getting really tired and Mayweather was, I mean, he trains 365 days a year. So obviously he wasn't tired even though he's, what, 45 now or something like that. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch a lot of fights. So seeing this exhibition was a little weird. I've watched two professional fights all the way through maybe ever and the other one was uh uh wilder versus fury which was a really good fight in my opinion and this was you know it was, it was a lot of hugging it was a lot of staying close and it was a lot of floyd just you know making the calculated move but not really doing too much and yeah i mean floyd connected on most of his stuff but he just didn't throw a lot of stuff logan was swinging and missing but he made some decent contact every once in a while you know uh overall it wasn't super fun necessarily but it, w- it was interesting to see and it showed i think logan was saying i'm gonna you know i'm gonna show why there's weight classes in boxing and i think he did just not the way he expected i think he said that and then expected him to like knock him out for that reason yeah. but it shows that floyd was just a million times better but logan was bigger and i wouldn't say stronger but yeah he, ha- he has more muscle to put on yeah and i think that shows so although it didn't make it interesting, it showed like, hey, you know, Floyd is so great that he can hold his own against someone way bigger than him. And also Logan isn't great, but he has enough skill where he's still against, but in my opinion, the best boxer of all time. And, you know, he still held his stuff together, even though we have the size advantage. Yeah. So overall, I wouldn't say it was crazy either way. It was really hyped up, but the fight or the exhibition itself was pretty standard. And, you know, Logan held his own. I was impressed with that. But Floyd seemed, like, in control the whole time. And if Logan was the same size as Floyd, he's out in a round or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just this fight overall, I think it's good for the sport just because a lot of people were watching it and they're like, oh, well, this isn't that great. But, I mean, some of them, obviously, it was exciting to see things finally happen because the first couple rounds, they were just running around. But when Floyd was finally starting to hit him, 
I mean, for this fight being one of the worst fights that I've seen, um, and it's still being entertaining in a way, that just shows you how entertaining, like, actual fighting can be. Like, watching this fight, and then watching, like, the Mayweather versus even the McGregor fight, that was pretty entertaining. Yeah. But And McGregor wasn't even an actual, like, boxer, so... It just shows how, I think in my opinion, how exciting boxing can be. And another thing I wanted to touch on real quick, uh, after the fight we were kind of, well during the fight we were kind of talking about like uh, the best boxer of all time and Colin obviously said Floyd Mayweather, which I agree with. And then I asked him for his top three and um, <laughs> he said Muhammad Ali and uh, Mike Tyson. And I don't blame him for saying Mike Tyson. I think where I'm kind of going with this is I think Mike Tyson thinking about it, I really thought about this over the weekend. I think Mike Tyson is probably the most overrated fighter of all time. This isn't anything against you. Like, I understand. Oh, no, yeah. Let's, yeah. I'm actually super interested. Let's it's kind of it. like when someone asks who, like, who's the three best basketball players of all time, and you don't really watch basketball, you'll say LeBron, Jordan, and Kobe. I think the people that say LeBron, Jordan, and Kobe either don't watch basketball or are really invested in Kobe. Because that's my top three, yeah. but I'm really invested in Kobe. Yeah. Even though I know it's unpopular. But anyways, continuing. Yeah, so I would say it's kind of like that, except Kobe, I would say, even if you're not a huge fan of Kobe, you would have him in your top 10. And uh, I was looking through a lot of lists, kind of going through my list. Um, Mike Tyson wasn't in the top 50 boxers of all time. And I would say he's probably 10th or 11th heavyweight of all time so it's just interesting to see because he was such a big name in the 90s when he was fighting just because it's like he had the charisma he said he wanted to go kill everyone obviously he uh bit the ear off of holyfield and i mean that's kind of an iconic moment and everyone knows who mike tyson is and especially with the exhibition he had against roy jones people were watching that even though that was pretty awful too but I think it just goes to show how like the media kind of portrays boxing. They had Mike Tyson, I mean, it makes sense to say uh, that he's one of the best, but it's just kind of interesting to see how, obviously, I mean, you probably put him in your top three because you hear him so much, right? I think I only know three boxers, yeah. and, pretty much. Yeah, so I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to think about, just because he's, I mean... I would say he could be in the top 50 all time, but he would be pushing it a lot because he's maybe top 10 highest that be in uh, heavyweight division. Yeah, that being said, uh, just straight into this was not written. Who would you put in that third spot? That third spot... Um, uh, I'm assuming you have Ali at two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's... I don't know. It gets really hard at that point because points-wise, there's like a list that they have... Um, that has like points based on your wins, who you fight against, championships and all that. And Pacquiao came at number three. I think that's an interesting take just because he's fought for so long and he's fought so many people. But I mean, there's, uh, I don't know. that I really have to think about that one just because there's the top two and then there's like five guys that could really be in that third spot. And the thing is, even when boxers fight against each other like Mayweather and Pacquiao, you could argue one's not in their prime. So you never really know who the best is because then you have the weight divisions that, that's why i love boxing just because like you can come up with a top 10 list and if you ask like 50 boxing enthusiasts who their top 10 list is i guarantee no one would have the same exact list yeah. just because there's like it's kind of like basketball in the sense that 
um, you have the same guys, but your list is going to be so different just because the eras that they played in, how, and I mean, this even more just because of the weight classes too. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that actually. Uh, yeah, I think the exhibition was good to get people invested into boxing, even if it's a, yeah, a really bad way to do it. It's basically, I mean, hey, now you've seen a bad fight. Now it kind of gets people interested. Like, hey, yeah, I kind of want to see. Yeah, Wilder it. 3 coming up soon, so. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. And I haven't been excited for a boxing match. I wasn't even really excited for this one. I wanted yeah. to see what would happen. But I'm really excited for Fury and Wilder. Uh, yeah, let's uh, kick it over to the NBA where uh, earlier today we heard that Nikola Jokic was crowned the MVP of the league. Uh, I'll start on this one uh, talking about it. I agree. Uh, he's shooting super efficiently. He's scoring, rebounding, and passing the ball great. And his team is fourth in the Western Conference, missing Jamal Murray most of the year, and especially now in the playoffs. And just to preface, playoffs don't matter towards MVP. I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah. They don't even include it. The voting is done before the playoffs even start. They just they stretch just, it out. Yeah. It's the, the actual award. Yeah, exactly. But also another important thing, that being said, is that Jokic in this playoff series against Portland handled business. So I like that a lot too. And I just think he had a great season. Uh, it's one of the best big men seasons in a while and one of the best uh, international seasons of all time, honestly. Because yeah. we had some of Dirk's best seasons. You know, Yao yeah, was an all-star for a minute, but this is one of the best international seasons for, in the history of yeah, the league. I mean, even Hakeem. Yeah, Hakeem, yeah, Hakeem's a weird one, yeah. but Hakeem totally counts. And... Yeah, I mean, I'm super happy he won it. Uh, I support the Nuggets. I'm a Celtics fan, but I do like that Nuggets team a lot. And I think he was deserving of it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you banning like Curry for this award. Yeah. yeah well, so let's just hear it from the other side. I think, um, obviously, Jokic deserved it. Uh, there's no taking away from that. One of the best seasons as a big man. I would say center, because big man these days is uh, it's very... Not that Kevin Durant type shit. Yeah, like, um, yeah. Yeah. I would say, like, by an actual, like, paint-dominant player. I think a great year from him. Um, obviously, there's the argument that Embiid, if he didn't get hurt, would have been up there. LeBron even was up there for a while before he got hurt. I think he was farther down. But I think Jokic, the best uh, best ability to have is availability. So Yeah, he is one of the, what was it, few players? Yeah, there was, like, less five, than 10. I there think. was five starters that played every single game this year and only 10 players, I believe. And Jokic was obviously one of the players, obviously one of the starters, and he was very good in every game, and he played every game. Yeah, I think the thing about this is that, obviously, in my opinion, I think Curry deserved it, um, but I don't think Jokic doesn't deserve it. I think they both deserved it, so as long as one of those two guys, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm not upset by this, so. Yeah, I mean... It's great to see the um, international players, too, because we've had so many great international players. But, I mean, in the past couple years, you look at um, the past, I mean, before when they would have the U.S. versus world team. Well, I guess they used to have the rookie versus sophomores. But the first year that they did the rookies versus or the U.S. versus, US versus world, the teams were... Uh, I think U.S. won by like almost 50 points they or something had, like they that. They had like Moutier starting on the world yeah. team. But I mean, when we saw the Trey Young versus Luka game, uh, 
it's just crazy to see how much it's changed over the past couple of years because we have guys like Luka, we have Jokic now, we have Embiid. Giannis. And yeah, Giannis. Just think of all the, three of those guys, I would say. Just think of the best players in the league. In your top 10, those are four of them. Yeah. And they're all international. Yeah, MVP voting. I MVP. mean, that's probably top. I, I, I would put Luka maybe even like six or seven I, I, this year. That's I legit think all those, four out of the seven. all those guys like Steph and CP. That makes up my top couple, honestly. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Um, uh, shout out to Yao Ming again. Second time I mentioned him for whatever reason, but um, he totally stretched the game into a global sense. And he wasn't the only one because guys like Hakeem in uh, in Africa made it so great. But like, I mean, just Yao Ming stretching it out to China, and then these guys, like, there's so many. Dirk was great for those European guys. I mean, there's so much the game has in store and there's so many great players from all around the world and seeing these guys outside of the u.s shine so great in a basketball league made up in the u.s and canada it it's amazing i mean because the past couple years obviously we've had guys from canada and it, i mean obviously they do count as being outside of the u.s but it doesn't i mean when you have a team in canada i don't really like i don't see andrew wiggins and say oh that's a great non-american player yeah exactly it's not like it, the game is still super similar in yeah. Canada because the first basketball game ever included a team from Canada, you know, the Toronto Huskies, shout out. But yeah, these guys from all around the world are playing and they're dominating and they're having great success. So having Jokic be one of those, you know, Giannis has won it, but being, you know, another guy that's won the MVP recently from outside the U.S. is great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what, three yeah, international in MVPs in a row? Yeah, two for Giannis, one for Jokic. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you'll have to see that. Uh, moving on to more of the playoff series. Uh, right now, the, in the second round, the Nets are up 2-0 to on the Bucks. After, and, what, 39-point win last night when we were recording this? Absolutely amazing. James Harden hasn't played the two games. Uh, Kevin Durant's played great. Blake Griffin has stepped up in this series. It's funny because... I think going in, a lot of people like that Brooke Lopez-Blake Griffin matchup, but Blake Griffin's perimeter shooting and outside ball handling has made it really hard on Brooke Lopez. And yeah, the Nets are up demanding 2-0, my NBA Finals favorites. So my opinion, I think they win in five. They're just looking so great right now. And if Harden comes back, it's yeah. a whole different different game too. I mean, feel? if he's, whenever he's done sipping his smoothie on the sideline, <laughs> I think, I mean, if you're Harden right now, and you have an injury that's obviously not like season ending, but it's kind of it's kind of the same thing that was with Embiid really um, in that Wizard series. If you don't have to play, there's not really a need for you to play. And in this series, the way it looks right now, I don't think there's a need for Harden to even play this series. I mean, obviously, if he can come back, then that's great for him. But that's it's always good when you have one of your star players kind of on the ropes. And if you don't need him to play and he can get that rest, I mean, it, it's in Brooklyn's favor. They've just been so great the past couple games. Uh, I don't, I mean, Giannis has been playing, I wouldn't say amazing. He's been playing good. Um, obviously, they're trying to guard him and, because he's the focus of that team. And Middleton, I mean, I saw he didn't play terrible last game, but he wasn't amazing at the same time. I think Middleton really has to step it up. The rest of the team has to step it up because we know Brooklyn, those three guys, they can score 100 points, just the three starters, the big three. So 
I mean, the Bucks scored, what, 85 last game? So Yeah, it was a joke. I mean, Brooklyn's defense is really so bad that it, it they put up 86, I'm pretty sure. It, like, it's yeah. how do you do that? And I know Milwaukee is the best defensive team in the league, I'd almost say. I, they In the playoffs so far, they had the number one defensive rating, so that's where I get that from. And they have some of the best individual individual defenders in the league. Yeah, they're they're yeah. all right. They're top two. Hmm, all right, I know what you're saying, but either way, they're such a great defensive team. So I know they're not focused on the offensive end, but on a defense as bad as Brooklyn's, you you got to put up more than 86 to even think about competing. Yeah, I mean, if they were playing in like the 60s right now, that yeah. 86 that would have looked good. Yeah, but, uh, and Bill Russell would have put up 50 of them. Yeah. So I mean. For the Bucks, I said the Bucks would win this series just because I thought they would be playing a lot better defensively, and I kind of thought the Nets would slow down at some point. Um, I think Kyrie still, I mean, I'm not going to say that the Nets are completely unstoppable at this point. I think last game, the first game was reasonably close. For, I mean, both games have been close at halftime, and then the Nets just come out yeah. and start balling. But, I mean, Kevin Durant just shows why he's... I would say arguably the greatest scorer of all time. Yeah. And I know some people might not want to hear that, but I think that's the truth at this point. I mean, Kevin Durant, how do you stop him? Yeah, it's almost, I mean, it's a seven footer with a jumper and just not even just a jumper, one of the most skilled scorers inside and out. Yeah. So uh, out to Philadelphia, Trey Young takes game one. Uh, they got a really, they got to buy a lot really early into the game. Up by 25, Yeah, The Sixers made a great comeback, but the Hawks still come up on top in the end. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know your feelings, so I'll start this one again. Uh, I think the Hawks could maybe take another game, but I don't think Philly lets it go any deeper than six. Um, Trey Young has been so great this whole playoff run. And, you know, he gets a lot of hate, and he does draw fouls sometimes. But in this, I feel like in the playoffs, he hasn't even done that as much as he usually does. He's, yeah, I mean, last yeah. game, he did it once. Yeah, he's so. he's playing great basketball at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always hype up Clint Capella. He's played great, you know. And that's really all you need sometimes. You know, dominant point guard, really good center. And then you just, the guys around filling. Bogdanovich has played great. Herder's played awesome, you know. Just keep those guys running in. And, yeah, I mean, I like that. Uh, Atlanta team, but I think Philly is just too dominant against them. I like I like almost all of Philly's matchups, honestly, and Embiid being hurt a lot and not 100% doesn't help them, but I still think Philly has that one seed, does what they need to do, but I mean, if you're an Atlanta fan right now, up 1-0, your team's on a stretch, I mean, there's a lot of good energy going around there, and sometimes that's enough to uh, you know, shift a series, especially when it goes back to Atlanta. Yeah. But I'm still rolling with Philly. I got them in six. I think. I mean, what happens if Atlanta takes game two? Do you still have them in six? If they take game two, I might take I might take Philly in seven at that point because I really do think Philly comes out on top. But if they go up 2-0, I think the Sixers are going to have to fight really hard to get back. But Philly's a team that makes me think they can do that, honestly. I think the... I mean, there's three takeaways from the last game. The first one is the amount of turnovers that happened. In the first quarter, there was, I think, over 10 turnovers. And at one point, they were, uh, I think they had like 10 turnovers, and the Hawks had like 16 points from that. And the Sixers were down 16 points. So, I mean, obviously, turnovers happen in basketball, but you have to limit those. I'm not too worried about those just because... 
obviously sometimes teams throw away a lot of turnovers, especially in game one of a series with Embiid finally coming back. Um, I'm not really too worried about that, but another one thing that I am worried about is uh, Doc Rivers, which he's been doing this all season. He puts in, at the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter, he puts in an all-bench lineup. And when you're playing against the... Uh, I mean, when you're playing against teams like the Magic, that works because uh, the Magic's bench is obviously not as uh, good as the Sixers bench. The Sixers bench is still good, but you can't be in the second round of the playoffs starting five bench players. And I mean, one of them being Thibel, who has definitely gotten better in the playoffs. He's finally starting to make shots and make threes. And I think if he learns how to make his threes being a three and D player, because I would say he's at least top 15, maybe even top 10. I say he makes a second team all defensive team this year. So top 10 defender, if he can even shoot like 35%, that's fine. But you can't have that many bench players on the floor at once. And that's really when the Hawks started to take, I mean, they had like a 15 point run where they were just going against the Sixers because no one on that team could score. And I mean, you have a guy like Ben Simmons, who honestly, he's in, I mean, I feel like his whole career, he's been in amazing shape. I think he could play all 48 minutes. Obviously, he's not going to, but you either have to have him play the whole first quarter or you have to have Tobias Harris out there. Obviously, I don't think Embiid will be out there just because of injury-wise and stuff like that. You don't want to overwork him. And Curry's still... Uh, I wouldn't put Curry out there with those guys. I think you either have Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris, and you can have four bench players. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to have that starter out there. So Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you watch a lot more of the games than I do, but you know what I see is that Philly is a team that plays great defense. They have great individual defenders, but once they go into a scoring slump, when your offense is ran by Ben Simmons, it gets really hard sometimes. Yeah. So Tobias is a big player in this. I feel like he, as long as he's hitting, yeah. they can... And I mean, back. even with the bench that they have, obviously you have guys like Cork Maz, Tyrese Maxey, who's been amazing. You have even Thibel who can get open and stuff like that. If you have Ben Simmons out there and you put three to four shooters out there with a the bench, that's, yeah. that works. You just can't have... I mean, Shake Milton has been terrible in the playoffs, so you can't put him out there. I mean, Maxey has been great too, but once you kind of target him and you pass it out to Thibel, he's not going to make those open shots all the time. He's probably not even going to make them half the time. So I think you just have to change that. The one thing that I am happy about though is being down 20 and then I mean, I think they're down 15 going into the fourth quarter for them to come in within four points and they could have won the game if, uh, who was that, Bogdanovich made yeah. that clutch three. If he didn't make that, they could have gone down there and scored. I think being down 15 and then coming within four and obviously with a chance to win, that, I mean, that shows me that I'm not too worried about this series just because even if they're down, they'll still fight back with, what, 15, almost 20 turnovers that game. So I'm not too worried about it. And B dropping 39 points. I still think he's due for a 40, 50-point game this playoff series. Yeah. Uh... Now, Los Angeles, last time we talked, they weren't in a great spot against Phoenix, uh, the Lakers. They weren't in a great spot against Phoenix, and Phoenix came out on top in six, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think we all said. We were all saying that was going to happen. Who, Phoenix? Yeah. Oh, I had the Lakers. Yeah, no, but last time we talked. Oh, yeah. yeah last time we... It was, it was looking towards Phoenix. They were ready. And 
Yeah, so they come up in six. So now it's kind of what do the Lakers do now? I think, I mean, that's all the notes said. But what I think uh, are some of their realistic options are LeBron's old. He's one of the oldest players in the league, just how it goes. But he's still great. There's no debating. Anthony Davis, you know, he has his ups and downs. He gets hurt a lot, which was never a problem in New Orleans. I also think they ran him to death in New Orleans, and it's showing now. And the team outside of those two is some of the worst basketball players I've ever I mean, seen. We talked about this too. Yeah. They got better players, but the team somehow got worse. It's just Trez does not belong there. I like Montrez Harrell Kyle a lot. Kuzma. Kyle. We said this last week. Kyle Kuzma cannot be the third star on that team. That's it's not... The thing is, for me, I think Kyle Kuzma is a great player, but they market him in LA as the third guy, yeah, and that's yeah. just not him. Yeah. And Caruso, he plays good defense, but he's not much more on most games. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, well, He can dunk. He can dunk. He can do it, and he's balding. And it's just a lot of these guys either shouldn't be cracking rotations or shouldn't be marketed as starters in a way. I think Schroeder was a great six man in Oklahoma City, but he doesn't really do much here. And Magic Johnson, who doesn't make team decisions, but is one of the best Lakers of all time, arguably the best, said that, you know, he, he doesn't think Dennis Schroeder should be on the team anymore. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, he was a great six man in Oklahoma. And yeah. now he's a starter on the team that won the championship last yeah. year. That doesn't... I don't understand how that works. Yeah, and I think Schroeder deserves to start, but in LA, they might need a little more. Yeah. The point is, I think a rebuild is out of the question. Yeah. You know, it's just that's one of the only options they can't do. With LeBron Honestly, and Anthony yeah, Davis. You can't, re- you can't rebuild and keep them because yeah. they're good enough to win you 40 games on their own with literally no help. Yeah. So and that's not a rebuild. I mean, so, LeBron himself. Yeah, exactly. Get you to the LeBron, Yeah, exactly. So that's not an option. So tick that away. And I think, obviously, if you can't rebuild and you can't trade for assets, you got to make that championship push. But I think there's a lot of ways for them to do that. They can move on from Shooter and try to trade for a guy. Mm-hmm. They could run the team back and try to develop some guys. They could work with different lineups. I know Trez is a great six-man, and that's kind of his thing, but they could try starting him, which they don't. And it's just there's so much going on in the Lakers facility. And personally, I just think they got to shift some things around. I don't even think they need to get a great player. I think they can get a guy that's almost not as good as he used to be. I'm kind of looking at like an Old Depot or something, and it's like Old Depot is not that great anymore. He was great in Indiana, injuries totally screwed him, and now he's just all right. But a guy like Old Depot that just takes some pressure off LeBron and AD and yeah. can make those big plays in Especially the big moments. Yeah, too. exactly. And he can make that good play, and he's smart, and he fits into that guard because their shooting guard, point guard, awful. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder is usually pretty good, but I would play, say the whole yeah. guard rotation. Yeah, there is there's just... nothing going on there. So bringing in a guy like Oladipo, which I think they can do and make the money work. I think they have ways to do that. And just keeping some of the other same guys. I think personally, that's probably the best way to do it. And I just, I don't love where the Lakers are at right now, honestly. They're a really good basketball team that got struck by injuries. Mm-hmm. But it's just, the in the bubble, the team around them seems pretty good. Yeah. Honestly, like it wasn't great, but it seems solid. Then a lot of those guys got worse this year just because a lot of them are old, first off, yeah. and they lost some other glue guys. And now I feel like they're just going to get worse next year. They need fresh blood in there. And it either means to me, they got to trade up in the draft. And the NBA draft is a lot different than the NFL. NBA draft, if you're drafting the first round, it does not mean you matter your first couple of years. Yeah. But I think if they like a guy later in the draft, they trade up for him. And I like that move. Yeah. 
or they go out and try to get a guy like Oladipo, or in their dreams, a guy like DeRozan. That would be great for him. Yeah. It's just, they have a lot of options. I just, if I'm a Laker fan right now, you kind of just need to, you want to see something different. Because this isn't a situation where you can run it back, in my eyes. I think this year, the biggest uh, storyline was injuries. They were the number one seed. They were, I think, might have fallen to the number two seed. But when LeBron and AD were both healthy, they were, I mean, they were looking as good as they were last year. And the team was doing well. But once those two guys got hurt and the rest of the team just kind of fell apart because the team that they have right now was good last year. It was good this year when LeBron and AD were playing because LeBron and AD are, I mean, they're two of the best players in the NBA. I would say two of the top 10 players at least. So they can do, I mean, LeBron, we know what he can do. Anthony Davis can play amazing when he wants to when he actually does play. But those two guys, I mean, you put them in for the first eight minutes of a game, and then you put them in for the last eight minutes of a game in the first and fourth quarter, no matter what the score is, they can, I mean, fight back and win that game. And when you would put them out there to start the game in the first quarter, they would get a good enough lead where the rest of the guys just had to maintain the lead. But when you have both of those guys out and you're telling the team to start the game without LeBron and without AD, there's not really that guy that can go out there and score for you. Schroeder was good some games, and obviously Kuzma had those games where everyone was saying, oh, yeah, he just scored 30 points. He's the best player on that team. And then unpopular opinion, let me say something. Talon Horton Tucker is someone I, like, legit, I want to preface this, I really like Talon Horton Tucker. I think he's a good basketball player, and he was underrated for a while, I think, early in his career. He's the most overrated player in the NBA. Uh, I like him. I think he can be good. He's not good at basketball right now. He just in general. Yeah. Just like any young player with talent, he has games where he pops off and he looks great. And to all respect, because he has a lot of talent, he's not that good right now. And he barely cracks that guard forward rotation on a Lakers team that without LeBron and AD probably has the worst guard forward rotation in the league. Yeah. Besides a team like Houston or Orlando, those guys are worse. So I'll give it to them. Yeah. But it's just... This team, when LeBron and AD is not on the court, just feels like Houston with playoff experience. And, like, I know everyone's like, LeBron needs so much help. He needs so much. He has no help right now. I mean, he does have help when AD's out there. AD seems like he's never out there. Yeah. And and I'm the biggest LeBron hater there is, but he has no help right now except when AD's healthy. And that used to be 95% of the time, and now it feels like a 50-50 shot. Street clothes. Street clothes. Yeah, it's insane. It's, yeah, that Lakers team, it's not in a great spot, but, I mean, Los Angeles always seems to figure it out. Frank Vogel's a great coach. I don't know how he got so shit on before he found his way to the Lakers because he's always been a good coach, in my opinion. And I think they can figure it out. I hope the Bust family and, you know, whoever else can get their stuff together. I'd like to see Oladipo or DeRozan there. Yeah, I mean, this just shows what Cam said before. Uh, last year, the bubble is all fake. Yeah, the he did. You know, fake. he did say that. And the one thing that I was actually going to talk about before you even mentioned him, I was going to say that they next year they should start Horton Tucker. Um, yeah, I think he can be good. Yeah, I really I mean, think he can be good. This year, shooting forty-five percent is great. Yeah, I think the thing is that there's so much pressure on him, and this year we saw Schroeder do good because he was in the starting lineup when everyone was healthy. Obviously, he's in the starting lineup, but he's not. Like, with LeBron out there, you have Schroeder. Obviously, you list him as the point guard, but LeBron's the point guard. 
I think next year they just need to have LeBron be the point guard. You put Horton Tucker there. I mean, you have Anthony Davis at the power forward. You get a decent center. And then even if you get a guy like DeRozan, I think those five guys, whoever that center is, you have him, Anthony Davis, DeRozan, uh, Horton Tucker, and LeBron. That's still a I really think, good team. I think start Montrez at center. Anthony, Davis, think, yeah, Anthony Davis is tall enough, and he plays good enough defense where he can make up for Montrez being a little shorter. Yeah. And especially LeBron at point guard. Yeah. Having, I mean, Horton Tucker plays a good amount of small forward or shooting guard. So he's tall, way, he's lanky. Yeah, I and mean, I you get a guy that can be that uh, guard forward, and then you, I think you could start Harold, and that'd be yeah. fine. And you have a decent enough bench. And the bench still wouldn't be great, yeah. but it doesn't matter when you have a solid starting lineup. Yeah. And I like, I really do like Town Horn Tucker, and I think he can be great, and that's what I'd want to see for him to be great. Yeah. Not him barely cracking the rotation on the bench and people just saying, oh, he's so great, he's so great. Yeah. Put him in the starting lineup where he's going to be the worst player on the starting lineup and let him grow. Yeah. And then I really do think he will be that really good player. I don't see him having all-star potential, but I, he can be a starter, and I think, like you said, he should go prove it next year. I would love that decision. Uh, yeah, on to the Clippers and the Mavericks. Clippers won it in seven. Thank God I had him go into the finals. So did yes. Banning. Would have been really embarrassed. Uh, I mean, before we get into the big storyline, Kawhi Leonard, incredibly efficient. Legit, some of the most efficient playoff basketball I've ever seen. He His stats were amazing, and he, he carried the team. Paul George didn't even play that bad, but Kawhi straight carried in a lot of those games. But big storyline, what actually matters from this, Luka Doncic looked like the best NBA player in, in the world right now in this series. I'm, I'm not saying he is, but that's what he looked like the whole series. He was unstoppable and just amazing. Everything he tried, he converted, and it was, it, it, it was unstoppable. But what people are really talking about and what's getting under Kristaps uh, Porzingis' nerves is that he's not a second option. And personally... Uh, another player I really like is Porzingis, but he's not that second option. And yeah, we've, we talked about yeah, this we've talked about things we should that they should do, so we don't need to get super deep into that. Yeah. But I think uh, an idea that seemed so outlandish, but starting to look like a reality now, considering both team situations, uh, seeing Dame and Dallas having that Dame Luka backcourt. Number one, it would be the most fun backcourt in the league. Yeah, that's what I Two, said last yeah, week. Yeah, I know. And now it's looking as Dame seems like he wants out. He was calling for Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd says, I don't want to coach there. Yeah. It seems like Dame's time in Portland, it's numbered, considering CJ is not playing great lately. And, yeah, if Dame works his way out, I think Portland seeing a package with Porzingis, who's still on the younger side, and, and a ton of first-rounders, I think that's something that's pretty close to reality during this offseason, and it would be very interesting. And I know Luca would love when he's putting up 40 to have someone by the side of him that's at least putting up 30, you yeah. know? I mean, the thing about this is, I mean, even a couple first-round picks, Porzingis hasn't been great, but he still has potential, obviously, because he's still young, and we know what he can do when he's completely healthy. I think these past couple, past year and a half, I don't know if he's been 100% um, just because he's had little injuries. And being that tall, obviously your knees aren't going to be great. 7-3 power forward. Yeah. yeah. I still don't understand why he's power forward. He's kind of like Anthony Davis. I he, guess he's good enough where he, he says, I don't want to play center. So he, play he center. hates playing center. That is one thing about Porzingis. But I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Mavericks to trade a couple first-round picks. I know some people are thinking they should build towards the future. But when you're a playoff team... 
first round picks don't matter. Also, the Mavericks already have no first round picks because they traded them for Porzingis. Yeah. So although that decision hasn't worked out too well, the Luka one has worked so great that people kind of ignore it. So, I mean, yeah, you might as well just ship Porzingis and the rest of them for Damien Lillard and Luka because, I mean, you get those two together and that's... I still think Portland's a solid team at that point, too. Yeah, because, I mean, Portland isn't going to be winning many games. I'm not. They don't have to move on from CJ at that point because, I mean, if they just love to shoot all game pretty much, if that's yeah. the case. That's a fringe playoff team with a ton of picks for the future. It's not a bad place to be. Yeah, and you put Dame and Luka together. Both They play so differently that I think it would work. They play so differently, but they're both so great at the same things. You yeah. know what I mean? It's they're, just the thing is, who takes the last shot? Like, we talk about this all the time with Kyrie, Harden, yeah. and Durant, but you have, I would say, those are the two most clutch players in the NBA right I'm, now. Yeah, who I'm takes gonna, the last yeah, shot? Who takes the, I mean... And the thing is, they can't double both of them, so... Yeah, that's gonna one, of, one of them's going to do it, and one of them's going to make it, in my opinion. That's the best part. And that's, uh, those role players, some of those role players will end up getting traded if this happens. Yeah. I think Brunson's out if this trade happens, too, and he's been great all season. But guys like Hardaway Jr., who I'm a big fan of, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, Dwight Powell, all those guys can still stick around. Yeah. And Dwight Powell fits so well in Dallas that I think he can start, even though he's not that great, and be effective. And even a guy like, I mean, Kleber's been, yeah. he's been a solid player. He could definitely start for that team he can, if they lose some players. He can hit threes, you know, he can handle himself. The one thing that I really took away from this series is every year we see this one guy come up I mean, we saw Zion. They said he's going to be the next LeBron. This guy's going to be the next LeBron. I think this is kind of a hot take, but I think if there's anyone that has the skill set to be the best player of all time, it's Luka. I think the one thing that will hold him back is championships. But if he can rack, I mean, four plus championships, the way that he's been playing, I think it's just like Mahomes. I mean, those two guys, if they can get championships, I think Mahomes, because of the Brady argument, that might be a little lost because they lost to each other. Yeah. I don't think Luka's going to lose to Jordan in the finals. <laughs> I mean, we could see that happen, but I don't think that's going to happen. But Well, no, we couldn't see that happen because well, Jordan's retired. Well, he could come out of retirement. That's true. I mean, he could. Yeah. But, I mean, Luka, just the way that he makes the game look so slow, you watch him play and you're like, oh, those defenses are awful. I could go do that. It's yeah. just, it's so weird to see him play just because he slows the game down so much and it looks like he just gets whatever he wants. But I think he has the skill set to be the best player of all time, depending on how many championships he gets. And that's the one thing that in sports, I mean, it really depends on how much you value championships because a guy like him, he could go his whole career without winning one. And I mean, the numbers that he has now, he could just... Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. just interesting to look at. I heard you talking, and the first thing I'm like, no way. And then I think about it, and it's just, I think people are so scared to live in the present with sports because so much changes, and yeah. I, I, that's that's fair. It's not the same as like music. Music, someone drops a great album, and you're like, wow, I think this is the best album I've ever heard. And it's like, okay, you can feel that way. Yeah. Sports is so analytical, and championships, and everyone has a say on it. People aren't going to be like, okay, fair enough, your opinion. People are going to come out your throat. That's how it works. But I mean, I really do agree. I think. Luca, he's got to continue to play this way. Obviously, he's still early in his career, but and he's, he's not even like, yeah, in his prime. No, yet. he started out so good, and his prime is yet to come. And it's just, I agree with the champions follow championships fall in place. He's really because he could win. I mean, this the next ten years, he could yeah depend. He could fight with Giannis, but I mean, even, there's not really that third guy. I mean, Zion could be yeah, really good with the Pelicans. Even a guy like Tatum that people love. You know, yeah. there's these young guys that are coming up. It's just. 
I, I don't even want to argue with that just because even if I don't think he has that talent to develop into the GOAT, I think I think he has the talent to be top five. And I think of the championships and the accolades fall into place, you put him in GOAT conversation because he's got skill to be top five. Yeah, I agree. And that is a very good point. That may be debatable for some. Uh, yeah, I mean, just looking forward and talking about uh, let's talk about the Suns and Nuggets series first because they've already played game one. Suns come up on top, but Nuggets were in it the whole way. Do we think uh, do we think Chris Paul and D Book just propel themselves past the Nuggets, or how do we feel? You can start this one. Yeah, uh, I think the Suns. The one thing that uh, I haven't been rooting against the Suns this playoff series. I think everyone wants to see the Suns win just because. I mean, Devin Booker. I don't really know anyone that hates Devin Booker. He's just a likable guy. I used to hate Devin Booker, and then I actually started caring about basketball, and I'm like, this guy's crazy. Well, I mean, when he dropped 70 on the Celtics. But we got the W, Yeah. and Jay Crowder was talking shit on Instagram, so it worked. I think that's one of the only games where someone's dropped that many points, and they forget who actually won the game. Yeah. Because what, the Celtics won by like 15? Oh, yeah, Celtics handle business. Yeah. So, I mean, Devin Booker, that team, I think Chris Paul this year, people are talking about his impact and stuff like that. I think he was averaging, what, less than 10 points a game this year. Uh, I mean, he's been... This year? Yeah. Wasn't he averaging, like, 9.6 points or something like that? Through the whole season? Yeah. Oh, you're bugging out, bro. Really? Well, yeah, like crazy. Uh, He's not a scoring machine or anything, but easily in double digits. But 16. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. That being said, you know, he's not the guy... Devin Booker's the guy out here winning the games with his scoring ability, I think is what you're saying. And DeAndre Ayton, when he plays great, you totally notice... And the fact is, Mikel Bridges is such a defensive force. I say it all the time, every time we talk about the Suns. But he's when he puts up 20 ga- points in a playoff game, how do you stop him? If you're a defensive anchor that's known for not scoring, he's basically Matisse Thibault on crack. Like, when, if Matisse yeah. Thibault could play basketball offensively. Yeah, but Mikel Bridges doesn't put up 20. And he put up 20 in a playoff game. That one is kind of depressing for Michael Porter Jr. Like, yeah. play some defense, dude. But, but also, it's just great for Phoenix. Uh, personally, I think the Nuggets still have a shot. I have the Nuggets winning this series against this exact matchup, but I did not expect Phoenix Phoenix to be this hot. I I was thinking they went in seven against the Lakers and they barely tough it out, but I mean they won in six. They're red hot. It seemed like they manhandled the Lakers, which was a worse team than them with AD's injuries and stuff like that. But I mean it's it's close either way. I I don't know. I can see. If Phoenix wins this series convincingly, Phoenix making the finals doesn't seem so crazy anymore, honestly. Yeah. It's just the way the team plays is so smooth, it's so fluid. And that bench, shout out Cameron Payne because Cameron Payne's ability has like gone up so much. And he's so helpful to that team because when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are off the court, it seems like he's doing a miniature version of both of them because he's distributing so well and his shooting is insane. So I really like that Suns team. I had the Nuggets winning, so I'm going to stick to it, but it's it's going to be tight. I, I really don't know how to feel about yeah. that one. I think I had the Lakers winning that series only because of LeBron. I think they would have had a good opportunity if Anthony Davis didn't get hurt. But, I mean, the, the Suns really at this point, I still have the Clippers winning, but I think the Suns, I think they can get past the Nuggets within... I mean, even five or six games, the way yeah. they're playing right now. Playing amazing. And that's a young team. 
I think Jokic will obviously grab a game or two and the rest of the team will play good, but that Suns team I think could win in five or six at this point. Yeah. And they're still dangerous contenders. I mean them and the Clippers, I I don't know how I feel about the Jazz at this point. I think the Clippers will get by them. But even if the Jazz win that series, I think the Suns would ultimately beat them. I would. I mean, it's just kind of crazy because I can see all four of these teams making the finals. Yeah. I don't think they're all as good as each other by any means, but it's just the way the matchups work and any way that any of these series could go, I can I can see a team making the finals. Yeah. It's it's crazy. But also on to what we mentioned previously, the Clippers and the Jazz. Uh, we're not really talking about the Jazz that much, but they are the number one seed out West. They look, they were the best team in basketball during the regular season, just how they played. And, you know, they have one of the best defensive players in the league. They have Donovan Mitchell, who shoots a lot, but, you know, he's still scoring a lot. And Mike Connolly, all-star this year, which is another thing that I forget sometimes. Yeah. And it's just... they're Whether up, he deserved it or not. Yeah, but still, he was a replacement replacement, so, you know. But, you know, they're up against the Clippers, the Clippers, like I was saying, Kawhi was so efficient. PG's playing all right, and the dogs around them pretty much. It's Kawhi who doesn't really speak, and a bunch of guys that don't shut up on that team. And yeah, it's there's a lot of energy going on. Uh, yeah, Banner. I mean, I think the Clippers team. You have two of the best defensive players in the NBA. I think Paul George is still very good defensively. People forget how at least is. perimeter defenders. Yeah. Um, and both of them can play great. We said this a couple weeks ago. I think the Clippers are finally getting together. I think that Mavs matchup, because of how good Luka is playing, I think that was the hardest series that they'll have. I don't know. I mean, if they do end up playing the Suns, my prediction-wise, I think that'll be a hard matchup, but I think they could get that done in six. I don't think they're going to go to seven games with the Jazz. I think that Luka matchup was... I mean, they got past that. And even though they went seven games with, what, the sixth seed? Yeah. That doesn't... I mean, there's no doubt for me with the Clippers at that point. I think some people might be like, well, they barely made it out of the first round. I don't think they... I mean, they technically barely made it out, but I think they're going to start playing really good basketball now. Yeah, I just think you had a red-hot Luka and you still made your way out. Yeah. It's just the way Luka played is the way players play when they will their team out of a first round all on their own. Yeah. But they still handle business. And... Utah can be a really scary team when Clarkson and uh, Bojan Bogdanovich are hitting. That's one of the teams that's scariest, when those role players are hitting their shots because that just lets Donovan Mitchell get through the creases and work in, in like that mid-range. And that lets Gobert just throw down his easy touches that he gets all game, pretty much. But that being said, I think the Clippers handle business. I just think when Kawhi is playing this great offensively and everyone knows how he plays defensively, everyone knows he's great defensively. So when he's scoring this efficiently and PG's not acting like a dumbass, in these series, then it, it really helps that team. I got the Clippers making it to the finals in mind, so I'm not going to disagree, but I don't want to count out Utah. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have those games where he plays up to the ability he has, and he's going to be putting up like 40 and 50. Not 40 and 50, but I think he'll have a 40-point game in the series. But it's just, I mean, you have Donovan Mitchell. You have, obviously, Paul George is going to guard him, and then they're going to guard each other. But who do you have guarding Kawhi? Yeah, exactly. That's and kind of... even if you put Mitchell on Kawhi, which I don't think they will. But... Well, he's 6'1". That would yeah. be really awful to see. Yeah. It just, I mean, there's no one to guard Kawhi. And when yeah. you have the best player on the floor, both teams not really being guarded by 
I mean, who does guard him? Uh, Bogdanovich. It's just Bogdan. Uh, that's the only size matchup that works because they're the same height. Yeah. But as great as he's played this year, he's played exceptional this year, in my opinion. Or, but you know, he just doesn't have that lateral speed. Kawhi, you know, is quicker. That's just how it works. And, and I mean, playoff Kawhi, we know. Playoff Kawhi is on a whole nother level, and it's just Bogdanovich is a great team player, but he do- can't do that one v one stuff. Yeah. And I mean, playoff Kawhi. We talk about playoff players all the time. We see Dame drop fifty points. We see Luca drop however many points, but even I mean, people will see Kawhi. He'll have like thirty points, but the way that he plays, he doesn't shoot that many shots, but he'll make all the shots and he'll play defensively. He's one of the only playoff players that we see step up and play offense and defense. Like Dame doesn't score fifty points if he plays defense all game. That's yeah. just not how it works. Like I mean, Trey, hey, he's not gonna drop fifty. 40 points, 50 points playing defense all game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, these playoff series are fun. This is, I mean, all the higher seeds won in yeah. the playoffs. Are, yeah. Not, besides, not New York. New York. Yeah, New York. And that was a yeah. four and five. But seed, yeah, so. so it was close. But all, the, all the teams that were better won pretty much. And I like New York. I had them winning. But I mean, it, it was went, obvious yeah, after the first. After the game one, you yeah. saw what was going to happen. So yeah, I mean, these are the best teams in the league right now. No doubt about it. There's no guys that just got an easy matchup round one and aren't that good. These are the best teams in basketball right now, in my opinion. So, yeah, we're just going to see them rock. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the football side of things. Uh, big news. It's kind of weird we're touching on it so late in the episode, but just so much going on in other aspects that this almost got overshadowed in some ways. Julio Jones, one of the best receivers in the NFL. We've talked about him. I think I had a poor take where I'm like, Julio's not getting traded. We, we talk about this every year. But through these last couple weeks, I've kind of put that to the side because of how obvious Julio said he wanted out. So last episode, I'm like, all right, I finally admitted it. Yeah. And he went to a place that me and Cam weren't expecting. But, Ben, I'm pretty sure you called this one. And it was it seemed pretty clear yeah. in the NFL. Me and Cam, we had that little – we were blindsided because the Patriots, you know – Whenever a good player's on the market, Patriots fans are like, oh my God, he's coming to us. Pull out the jersey swaps. And you know? it's not, I mean, and, not a bad take. No, yeah, and it fit because wide receiver is a big need. And still. then you always see the post, Bill Belichick, after every game, you talk to Julio yeah, Jones. Yeah, he loves Julio Jones. But anyways, if you're unaware, he got traded to the Titans for a second and a fourth rounder, which wasn't the biggest haul ever, but it was about where his value was at, honestly. I don't. I don't. It's where his value was set. Yeah, I. The Falcons I, said they wanted a second round pick, which I think is a huge yeah, mistake. Yeah, they should have gone. They could have got a first round. But pick. that also makes me think the Patriots didn't offer a first rounder. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, but I mean, but, they did offer. They did trade for Mohamed Sanu a second, second round. Pick. Yeah, exactly. So you know, Julio's worth the first. But anyways, yeah, I mean, the Falcons got the value they wanted. Whether you think it's fair or not, I personally don't. I Benning just said he doesn't. Yeah. But. You know, they got what they wanted for him, and the Titans, they have possibly the best wide receiver duo in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw I saw one take where they were talking about, I mean, some of the best receiver duos. I think um, you put the uh, Seahawks up there. I did see yeah. a take saying that the Seahawks, um, DK, and Tyler Lockett weren't a top five duo, That's which is completely terrible. No, yeah, they could be I number think, one. <laughs> I think those two are both top ten receivers, in my opinion. I know people still like to hate DK Metcalf. But, I mean, you get yeah. rid of DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett still had an amazing year last year. So Yeah, but in Tennessee, I'm loving what they're doing. Yeah, both. Uh, I yeah. would say those two teams, two best receiver duos. Yeah. You put a decent receiver in um, Green Bay, and that's probably the best yeah. duo. I mean, you put anyone that's like a starter caliber, and that's the best duo. But, 
but it's just you have two Pro Bowl type wide receivers in Tennessee now. Tannehill, I, people are making jokes as Julio said he wanted a strong arm quarterback, and Tannehill hasn't proven to be that. But I mean, me and Benning, Cam's not here. Cam completely disagrees, but we both like Tannehill. I think Tannehill's yeah. a top ten quarterback uh, I, in the NFL. I have him on that fringe. I have him anywhere from nine to thirteen, I guess. I would say at least top fifteen. I don't think. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Yeah. So he's in the top half of quarterbacks in the league, and he's and he, just—I mean—he doesn't even throw a lot too. No, so for him to. But now he has this dominant wide receiver core. He has in my the guy that played. Nah, I wouldn't say that, but he has one of the better running backs in the NFL. Derrick Henry is amazing. I would and say the yeah, best I, pure running, running back. back. Yeah, the best pure runner. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's hard, but I'd say I mean best wide receiver duo in my opinion. And he doesn't even throw that much. I think some of the wide or Julio and AJ might get upset because they're not getting the touches that they really deserve. Yeah. But you know that defense is awful too. Yeah. But, but their offense is almost unstoppable right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there'll be too much of an issue because as long if they throw to Julio, um, AJ Brown will be excited because you know he was ecstatic to see Julio Jones there. Um, yeah. He has a crush on Julio Jones. For those of you Julio's getting a new number, though. Yeah, I mean, Julio's going to wear number eight, I'm guessing, uh, just because that's what he wore in college. Yeah. And the new rule they just put out, I mean, I guess Roger Goodell knew this was going to happen. Uh, he knew that Julio Jones was going to go to the Titans and that he didn't want 11, so they had to change up the rule so he could get number eight. And what I was saying before, I mean, now you have the Titans having three of the... I mean, three of the best offensive players in the NFL, depending how you look at it. At least yeah. those three guys top their positions. And, I mean, the money that the Titans are going to get from this is going to be huge. I mean, sales-wise, Julio Jones going there, Derrick Henry jerseys, A.J. Brown jerseys. I mean, even Ryan Tannehill is going to get his jersey sold now. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy to see, though, that uh, when I first started watching football, uh, Ryan Tannehill... I would see him a lot just because obviously the Patriots uh, play against the Dolphins twice a year. Yeah. Seeing Ryan Tannehill on the Dolphins for he was there for a while. Yeah, like five and years. And now seeing him on the Titans with Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and AJ Brown, it's just I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to think about. And I like the idea of this move for the Titans, obviously because it's a good fit and they could yeah. use another receiver, but also because. They're not stepping back. They're a team that wants to make a Super Bowl push, and this is the type of way you do it. I mean, second and fourth round pick for Julio Jones. You're not moving backwards at all. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the way you do it. If you want to make a Super Bowl push, you got to make the big move, and if this is their big move, I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I think they're not because of this trade. This trade helps them. I don't think this moves them that much higher just because the offense was already going to be great without them. But, it's but just... I think, I mean, the Browns are one of the most overrated teams. Baker Mayfield is a bottom... 16 quarterback he's the most overrated quarterback in the nfl right now um so everyone's saying the browns versus the chiefs this year the bills are the second best team in the afc behind the uh chiefs and i would say the titans are probably third uh, i i guess you could put the browns in the top five browns are not going to the afc championship baker mayfield is not very good heard it here first uh, I disagree, Conda, but I understand where you're coming from. I another quarterback that is talked about a lot right now, considering you know he was the MVP last year. So for good reason, uh, Aaron Rodgers did not show up to the uh, mandatory practices for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's having a lot of troubles. He does not seem like he really wants to be there. 
do we see him get moved before the season? Julio Jones getting traded helps out Aaron Rodgers tremendously because that shows that, I mean, Deshaun Watson has wanted to be traded. Um, Aaron Rodgers has wanted to be traded. Julio Jones, I mean, he filed for a trade, what, January, February, they said, and he just got traded. So now that shows, I mean, we were saying this for a while. You were saying how you don't think Julio will get traded because he's such a big name. They'll figure it out. But Julio Jones just got traded. That opens up Deshaun that, Watson. Yeah. I know Deshaun Watson legally um, they have he, to figure that out. But a guy like Aaron Rodgers, obviously there's nothing going on with him. Obvi I mean, the GM says they don't want him to leave because he is the MVP. You don't want the best player on your team leaving. But this opens the door for him. So I think Aaron Rodgers will be traded at some point. And especially if he keeps sitting out. There's no way that the Packers are going to have Aaron Rodgers sit on the bench because Aaron Rodgers will sit on the bench all 17 games. People come back halfway through the season. Aaron Rodgers is just that petty. I don't. Yeah. I think he would walk away. He would retire. I think. I mean, yeah. he could pull a Brett Favre and just leave, and then come back, and then play for the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to go crazy on this, but uh, just one team that you think Aaron Rodgers should be on next year. I think this is. I mean, it's really hard for me, honestly, because yeah. there's. I mean, every team would want to have Aaron Rodgers. So. I can I can start with mine. Uh, I, I'm not gonna go super deep into this. I'm just gonna say, shout out Bobby. I think the Broncos would be cool. Yeah, I think That'd the Broncos. Cool. We've seen them be the front runner. I think. I mean, there's no one else really that. Yeah, I mean, right now. It's just they're not a quarterback away, but they're you know they've taken shots on older quarterbacks before, and it's they have a good team around that. So I think Broncos. I mean, just pushing. For I think the, they're a quarterback away from the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender if they get him, but I mean, they're. I gosh, think they're. they're I mean, a hell of a they lot get Aaron Rodgers are looking yeah. better than the Browns. Yeah, exactly. Hey, they got. I think that wide receiver uh, room in Denver right now is amazing. Yes, yeah, I mean Judy, those guys haven't Hamler. stepped up too much, but they're all so young. I think they're going to be amazing. Jerry I, Judy still has to. I, I, mean, I say KJ Hamler. I mean when we KJ talked Hamler about when we talked about great. some of the most underrated players, I, he was on my list. I love yeah. KJ Hamler. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting on that one for sure. Uh, college football, uh, you know, we're kind of out of season. It's coming back though. We're getting ready for it. Uh, they're looking at an eight-team playoff, which, you know. I think a lot of people have looked for because four seems a little low to some. Yeah. Well, some people don't even like the playoffs at all, though. So how do you well, feel about yeah, it? Yeah, I would say the only people that don't really like the playoffs are the old, old heads. heads. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, eight-team playoff, I think that works fine. I think the six-team would also work well just to get those buys in for teams. Like obviously, we probably see Alabama and Clemson get the buy, and then have those teams play. But eight-team playoff. It drags the season on a little bit, but the college football season's already kind of short, so I don't think it would hurt too much. The problem would be, I mean, adding another round to the playoffs, having, if you're in the championship game, you're gonna have to play three games. And I mean, in football, we see, obviously in the playoffs, in the NFL, the teams do fine, but, and in the NBA, those series are long, but in the NFL and in college football, your top player can get hurt at any moment. So three games is kind of long, but I think eight teams, if they're gonna do it, that's the best way. They said possibly by this summer. So that would mean next season. It might take another season just to get it all set up. They were also talking about a 12 team playoff, which I think is would not be good at all. I think 12 is way too much. I think if they're gonna make a change, make it to eight and keep it at eight. Which, yeah. I mean, at that point, 
the only issue is that um, the number nine seed, all their fans get upset. And you push it to 12, the number 13 yeah. team is upset. I think from a fan perspective, I agree that four seems a little too short, considering that the top three seems like it's locked in every single year. So that being, uh, oh, Jesus, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson are the three that seem to be up there. But Ohio State switches. You know, Oklahoma is a team on the rise this year. Besides the point, yeah. I think eight. The Heisman. Okay. I don't even necessarily disagree. I think eight's a good number. Uh, I Football, if you played football, if you really watch and care about the offseason, a whole another week is a big deal for players, and I agree with the injury concern. But for the fun of the sport, I think eight teams would be the right number. Because yeah. I think every year there's about there's 25 that are ranked, but there's 15 that are really, really good in my opinion. I would uh, say... I would say usually maybe. the top seven or eight make the argument each year. Yeah, they all I make the argument. After, usually after you look at the rankings each week, and there's obviously the top teams. After the top ten, it doesn't really matter each week because most yeah. of the time it's either some team that's undefeated, but they're in like they're not in a Power Five conference, or a team that's or it's like Texas that has three losses, but it's still Texas, so they're ranked high. Yeah, I do see that actually, but I just think. Also, a team that's such a flyer. Like, imagine a Liberty team playing Alabama 1-8. Yeah. They'll get smacked, but, but it's, it, still, it's, it's, it's football. That's amazing you gotta for give the school. Yeah, you got to get so much money. You got to give them their shot, you know? And if they do win, holy shit, you know, it's going to be insane. Yeah. I mean, eight teams, that opens up at least potentially two. I don't see three spots, but two spots for, um, I mean, non-Power 5 schools. Yeah. So you, we would have seen... UCF in there at this point. Yeah, they were when they were with Bortles. Yeah, I think those UCF teams, they need a shot, in my opinion. Those those teams that are undefeated and such powerhouses I mean, a team in the like conference. Coastal Carolina even yeah, I feel like they should they should have got a shot. Yeah. And I think an 18 playoff is a way to see those teams. And hey, if those teams don't deserve it, yeah. then we're just seeing more football from more big, great schools. And you know? we also... At that point, eight-team playoff, we see... I don't think they'll have it set to be, like, number one seed is the SEC champion. But the way that the divisions are set up right now, you have the five uh, power conferences. You have the winner of those go into the B. Not the top five seeds, but, but they, they get five of the yeah. eight seeds. And then you don't have to worry about it because each year we always see, well, the Big 12 has two of the best teams and one of them has to lose the conference championship. Exactly, and one loss on a, on your record for a four-team playoff basically yeah. just means you're out yeah. unless it's a really good loss. And even like yeah. we saw a couple years ago when Georgia lost to Alabama in the championship, they lost one regular season game. But because they lost to Alabama in the championship, they were out. They were the fifth team. Yeah. And they, I think they still would have done good in the playoffs if they were number four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I'd like to see the change. Uh, moving on from college to guys recently out of college, our rookie gems. Me and Banning have been working on our uh, list for a while. We only picked three, and it's guys that weren't first-rounders, kind of sleeper sort of picks that we really think will shine this year and forward in their career. Manning, you can take it with your top three. So uh, starting off, I have Jabril Cox, who was drafted by the Cowboys in the fourth round. Um, when he trans transferred in college, I mean, he was uh, one of the best linebackers. And when he transferred, he finally got to a bigger school. And he still went in the fourth round. I think he would have done good, even if he um, like went into the draft last year, I think he would have done great. But fourth round isn't terrible, especially for a linebacker. So he's kind of out there. I mean, they drafted Micah Parsons. 
but I think Jabril Cox is going to be amazing for Dallas. Um, Terrence Marshall too, I've been talking about him. He was my fifth best receiver going into this uh, class. I still put him there. I mean, I have, obviously you had the top three receivers, then I had Kadarius Tony at four, and I had Terrence Marshall at five. I think he's going to be amazing for the Panthers. And then Asante Samuel Jr. for the Chargers. I think he'll be great. I don't know if he'll be good this year, but I mean, just because cornerbacks always take, it seems like they always take two years to develop. But a team like the Chargers who, it seems like they get a new cornerback every year that breaks out for them, and then they end up getting hurt, and then they end up leaving. So, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr., he was one of the best cornerbacks going into this draft, and I think he potentially could have been drafted higher up in the second round, but following to the Chargers, I think that's a great fit for him. Yeah, uh, I like all those picks. I actually agree with all of those, too. Uh, mine are, I guess I'm going to go in order when they were picked. On um, the second round, Denver took Javante Williams uh, out of North Carolina, the running back. And I understand he wasn't a first rounder because he's a running back. Fair enough. But my bold opinion is that if he's given the right amount of touches, I think you can have the best rookie running back season. People love Najee Harris, and I think Najee Harris is so good, and there's a chance that he wins offensive rookie of the year. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be great. But I think there's a world where Javante really shines in Denver, especially if Drew Locke or Teddy's not playing that well. I love Javante Williams. Uh, he was dominant at North Carolina. Him and Mike, uh, Michael Carter, they're great. Uh, I also picked Paulson Debo, the cornerback. He was drafted by the Saints in the third round. Uh, he's one of the most NFL-ready guys. And I wouldn't consider him much of a project. And those sort of cornerbacks are really easy. Because like Jeff Okuda last year was drafted by the Lions super early and I still think he's going to be a good corner but he didn't play that great like honestly just because he was more of a long-term guy but Adebo I think he can I think he can be successful and man and zone coverage and outside of Marshawn Lattimore that same secondary is a little on the weaker side so I think he gets a lot of reps and even on special teams just with his athleticism I think he can play and uh, last one, Davion Nixon, uh, the D-tackle out of Iowa. He got drafted in the fifth round by the Panthers. Uh, I legit, like, I think he's, like, the second best D-tackle in the draft. And he slipped to the fifth round because I believe he had some injury history or something along those lines. But I think he's a great player. I think Carolina, uh, their defensive line isn't the worst ever. They attack it in the draft a lot. But I'd really, like to see him get reps this year and I really think he'll earn them because I he's just he's tough he's physical and he can eat up blocks even if his stat sheet isn't great I think he's going to eat up that middle of the field for Carolina most plays I I really think he'll be successful there and if not I hope they ship him out of there because I want to see him be successful in the league I'm a fan uh yeah I'm that's mostly going to wrap up our episode anything else you want to touch on um I think that's it um one thing though, I just got um, news from my sources. Julio Jones is—he uh, just announced his number for this year. Is going to be wearing number two. Okay. So, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Right, that's actually going to be pretty dope. Get your number two Julio jerseys yeah. at www.thenosebleed.com. No, uh, the underscore nosebleeds <laughs> underscore podcast.com. <laughs> got to set up that website. Uh, yeah. Wrap it up. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I didn't realize how much had gone on since our last episode, but yeah. big news. Uh, our last, just to wrap up the whole episode, Julio's traded, the Mayweather-Paul fight went down, and the NBA playoffs are pushing farther. 
Jokic also won the MVP. Those are kind of our big talking points of the episode. And the past couple episodes, we've been talking about Julio Fulio, and now he's finally traded. So. so we won't talk about him anymore unless he says something stupid. Yeah, we'll talk about him next week, though, when we see his first practice. We can talk yeah, about how he practiced. And then the week after that, we can talk about him a little bit. What color cleats he wore, yeah, you know. that's like, a big thing, too. If he looked happy in the post-practice yeah. interview. you know. Because if he doesn't look happy, he could demand a trade, Yeah, too. he'll probably be out by next week, so we got to talk about that, too. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to check out our Instagram at the underscore nosebleeds underscore podcast. We're growing great over there, you know, almost better than here. So, but I don't look at that as a bad thing. We'll keep it going. Uh, we're happy you guys are listening and we're happy you guys are checking out the posts. Uh, yeah, this was episode 16 of the nosebleeds and that's going to wrap it up. Nosebleeds out.